Good morning, Reading Family Church. It's great to see you. Quick show of hands. Who in the room is concerned about a deodorant failure? Oh, <laughs> uh, it's horrible, isn't it? I, I don't know how you feel about that. Oh, I know this is going online. Good. Hello, online. Just about broad as I can tell, this shirt is good in terms of sweat larks and things like that. Uh, come on, listen, we're not trying to be slick. We are a family. Everyone's in the room, you look around and you think, heaven, you need to go for a shower, darling. At least that's what they say to me. Where are we today? Well, we're in the middle of a sermon series uh, about being a community of the Holy Spirit. And if you've been here over the last few months, you'll have been aware, as I was when we were singing our songs, I felt the presence of God amongst us. I had some guys behind me who were belting it out, and musicians, and a sense not just a warmth in the room, but there was a sense of the presence of God. Yeah. And that isn't just limited to our times of gathering on Sundays, so although that is important, but also through the week, in smaller meetings, we've got an elders meeting this week, uh, we prayed for about 35 minutes, it started, the first 15 or so, was vigorously praying in tongues, full of joy, and it was bowling along. It is this sense of when God's people are coming together, when we are coming together as a church family, we're sensing a unity in Christ, a sense of the holiness of God amongst us, and imperatives to do something bigger than our own lives. And this sermon series has captured all of that, and we're going to continue with that in a moment. But before we do that, in these moments, there's often a few changes uh, as people get moved around. And I've got one more change to announce. It's not quite so sad as the others as we're sending these great people out on mission. But Ian Anderson, can you make your way forward, please? Nice and quickly on your toes. That'd be great. <laughs> so Ian Anderson is jumping on the stage. Ian, how long have you been on for the staff team right now? I've been uh, seven years uh, working on the staff team. I've loved every minute of it. It's been great fun, very challenging, but great to be part of the team. And so one of the things you'll notice about Ian is he's an older brother to me, which I appreciate greatly. And so Ian, can you tell us what happened in January and what you're hoping to do over the next few months? But this is the plan we've got. I've, um, I've reached a great age. I'm now uh, 65. And I'm just thinking, Thank you for those who whistled. That's very encouraging. Don't look it. Somebody said that, I'm sure. <laughs> um, but I'm just thinking uh, we're going to do something a bit different. I'm looking towards retirement. Uh, in January, we're part time, just doing three days a week. Uh, Tom has very ably taken over uh, running Sunday logistics for us. And uh, at the end of September, the idea is I'll actually stop working for the church. Um, which is a, a break for me completely and for Judy. Just pause you there. We'll yeah. stop paying you when you work for the church. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> still work for the church. Still going to be doing things for the church, still involved in life groups. We love being part of the church. And I did say to Sean some months ago uh, the main difference is I don't get paid. Um, but I can intend to continue to be very much part of what's going on. and. Uh, and one of the things I really want to do is have more availability for people. Um, I'm part of Scott's pastoral care team. Um, and I think just on our hearts for you yourself, we want to, to love and serve and have availability to, to love people and to have fellowship with people in, in our church community and our community around where we live and our family. So Ian's going to remain as a deacon in the church, remain in terms of pastoral care, but he feels 
Uh, rather than caring about the IT and the facilities and the kind of infrastructure of church life, which is really important, um, but he wants to give himself more and a bit more flexibility to enjoy his grandchildren and his wife and that sort of things. So that's Ian. He's not going anywhere. <laughs> Thank you, Ian. Thank you, Isabel. <laughs> so that's great. And just before we jump into the summer months, we're a community on a mission. And we don't want to slow down in our mission, but we've got some staffing gaps that are opening up. Could you flip the screen on in terms of our recruitment that we need to do? So we need to recruit someone for in, ideally from the 1st of September, that would be ideal, uh, so they can transition with Ian. And ideally someone with IT skills. It may be you're online, or maybe in the room now, or you're on catch-up. If you have IT skills, so you can run the IT of a busy church office, as well as be linked to Sunday mornings with our PA and our infrastructure so we can keep broadcasting on the internet. If you've got those skills and you've got another set of skills, the plus that you think our church needs to this season of our church life, I really want to talk to you. And seriously, I'm believing there's someone in our church who could step into this role. Come on, full time for the church, the RIT and the PA, the link between. Uh, our office and Sunday meetings, but more than that, you've got other skills you can bring to us. We're going to advertise the job, should be in e-news on Tuesday, we might make an appointment in September, because we don't want to drop a beat in terms of what God has called us to. But also, uh, our youth worker permission, uh, position next week, we'll be saying goodbye to Texas, Sarah, I'm already booking my Kleenex, on the bits. That's next week. Texas, we want to recruit from internally, no one applied for a youth worker role. And for youth, we don't just want to outsource that work to anyone. We want someone from our church family, you know this, you've been told. We want someone who's got our values, going to give themselves to you. And that isn't just anyone. We'd rather uh, have a team of volunteers to lead that than employ the wrong person. That's true, isn't it? Yeah. This is a, the pressures on our young people are huge. So we want to wait 12 months on a volunteer, it's a good plan, but we need to have that post open. If there's someone in our church family, seriously, in the next few months, or next certainly 12 months, we can wait that long, no longer, we want to employ you. Come on. Where are the men and women who want to give themselves to a local church family? We're not the best payers, but I'll tell you what, the King's got our back. Yes. Amen. And we'll pay appropriately and fairly for what we're doing. I'm not in this to make money. Amen. I'm in it out of obedience to Jesus. Yes. And the church pays us well in that regard. We also employ a general administrator, that's already in play. Please, would you consider that? Uh, that's part-time. Uh, a debt coach, no, no one applied for a debt coach. I do not understand that. Term time, 10 hours a week, come on, we need that filled for September. There's other stuff we need to be getting on with. And the office cleaner. Uh, we need someone to come in four or five hours a week. Uh, as soon as you can, we can transition that over from September. Is that good? Yeah. Yep. Can you own this? Uh, I, I, putting it in use, in use is not enough. We need you to own this, pray about this, consider yourself, sow yourself into a local church. And for some of us, that means serving them on staff. Not many of us, but for some of us, we want to make sure the church has all that she needs to fulfill the matches. Are we good on that? Good Can we move on? We're a church on mission. Come on. Let's move forward. Here we go. The community of the Spirit is a community on mission. It's not about meeting God in here, having a great time, uh, giving some more gifts and encouragement. It's about being a community on mission. I'm going to read very briefly in the book of Acts. We're going to turn to chapter 2. If you're new here, just to say, the book of Acts uh, is an account which was written by someone called Luke. 
He wrote what we call uh, the Gospel of Luke, that's volume one. Volume two is the account of the church as it got started. Uh, it's effectively, he's kind of doing a, an account from about AD 30 to AD 62. So it's about a 32-year account of the early church. We read the book of Acts, you can do it in a few hours. Uh, and we need to remind ourselves it's over 32 years. It's chronicling that long. When it starts, it's mainly the Apostle Peter. Towards the end, Paul is the dominant figure. But we're going to jump right at the beginning. We're going to join the story after Jesus, he's died, uh, he's come back to life. Hooray! That is good news. We do need, to, do need to talk about his death, but his resurrection is even more stunning. And then he was ascended into heaven. This is Acts chapter 1. But he said to his followers, will you hang around and wait for the gift that I promised, which is the Holy Spirit. In those days, there were about 120 believers, the apostles, his mom, other leading women. They were gathering together in a room, and they were waiting for the gift that Jesus promised. In that time of waiting for the Holy Spirit to come, they busy themselves, and they appoint one person to fill the space of Judas, who is the apostle who betrayed Jesus. So in that time of waiting, they organised themselves so that the 12 people could give a faithful witness to Jesus' death, his resurrection, and his ascension, and the reality that he is returning. That's what they did. They waited and they prepared themselves, and then the Spirit of Jesus that had been long promised by God Come came. Come on. And that's what we call in the church, if you're around church like Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. So Acts chapter 2, verse 1, says this. It will come up on the screen behind me, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Acts chapter 1 says about 120 of them, something like that. There weren't many, 120. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house, the house, where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. So in the Anglican church with the bishop with a big pointy hats, that's a symbol of a tongue, a flame of fire resting upon that bishop. That's why they wear their pointy caps, amongst other reasons. <laughs> Verse 4. And everyone present, everyone present, was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. And so the 120 in a room... They're waiting, they've organised themselves, they've appointed Matthias by Larks, and they've got a full complement of apostles, so they're able to give witness to what Christ has done. And now the Holy Spirit has been poured out upon those who are waiting. And the Holy Spirit comes upon them, and they start speaking out, and this, understandably, causes a commotion. Remember in those days, don't think like a, a mid-terrace, Two up, two down rooms. This is the Middle East in Jerusalem. They're most likely in a courtyard. It's a public space. And so it, what's going on, these strange shouts, something was happening that drew attention. 
such that a crowd grew, and all these Jews were pressing in, and they were hearing the wonderful things that God had done in ways that they could understand, even though they were strangers in the city. And they could hear that and pick that up. And somehow this uh, household onto the streets, and then it spilled to such a place where Peter was able to stand up and preach to thousands of people. Most likely at this point, the commotion and the energy and the questions and the momentum had led them to somewhere maybe the temple courts where you could gather thousands and thousands of people. And Peter, this fisherman, stands up having been baptized by the Holy Spirit amongst the company of the brothers and sisters and gives a mighty preach and basically says to all of these Jews, it's your fault that Jesus was crucified. This was long prophesied. It was your testimony, your voice, joining for those asking for his death. You are numbered with those. And he's preaching as such authority that they all respond in unison. Verse 37, Peter's words pierced their hearts. This was the thousands of people that are now captivated by Peter's preaching. Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Our actions have crucified the Christ that God has proved to be the Messiah and Lord. I am numbered amongst that accusing crowd, brothers. What, what can I do to be saved, to be made right with God? And Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptised in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. We're going to see that later on in the meeting. Six or seven people being baptised for the forgiveness of their sins, fully associated with him, publicly displayed through baptisms in the Agora just outside. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and to your children and even to the Gentiles, that's us. All who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourself from this crooked generation. Listen to this. I love this verse. Verse 41. Those who believed what Peter said were baptised and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. Come on. I mean, we think we're epic doing six or seven on a hot day, during the baptism, 3,000 believed, and somehow they figured out how to baptize them, and it'd be said in the Bible, they were added to the 120. The Spirit of God is on mission. So, what is God saying to us, as we, as a church family, scatter over the summer period as we consider the autumn term. Remember, for us, we've now been back in person for one year. 
And for this last year, we've been using language like, let's get all the sheep off the hills. And for this last year behind the scenes, we've been uh, encouraging and looking out for people and gathering them up and finding ways for them to come back. And some people are online and they can gather back into the fold of Jesus. Some sheep have not made it back. Some people who were doing so well before the pandemic now have little appetite and every reason not to come on a Sunday. And I don't understand that, genuinely, when we can even just coming online regularly, when people are doing that, but others are not connected. But we've spent the last 12 months gathering the sheep in from the hills, and we've been figuring out who's now in the room. And some people have come back and they've been catapulted out to the nations. And others have been gathered in and we're, we're sorting the fish. Who's now in the room? It feels as if we're organising ourselves for the Spirit of God to move again on local mission, which we've always been about as a yeah, church. But something is opening up for us in this story that Jesus is writing through us for us to go again on local mission, to think again, to order ourselves, to structure ourselves, to consider ourselves to be on local mission. Few of us have got to get on the plane with the Rogers at the end of the year or the new year to go to the Middle East to go again. Few of us will do that. Many of us are giving to have the vets, the boxers, the littles, Carrie Ann, uh, Laura Lovering. They're already on global mission on our behalf. Most of us are going to be involved in a local mission, in and around Reading, our places of work, uh, where we study, uh, where we live, what's going on around our community here. Most of us are called into that. And God has been speaking to us around this as elders. Today we're all together in one place. Do you remember when, who was around when we used to be in three congregations, nine and eleven and six? Still at probably about a third of the room, maybe up to, is, put my hands up again, Claire. Or maybe more, a bit more bolder this time. <laughs> it's good, well over half the people in the room, if not two thirds, can't see you online, put your line anyway, put you online. Many of us remember those days, and we gather back here, and it made sense. To see who's in the room, we can look out for one another. But local mission demands we need to reorganise ourselves, not just from a staff perspective, as people are moving on, it's a great opportunity to rethink how we structured our staff team, but also how we gather on a Sunday, and more importantly, how we scatter in the week. And this is an impulse that the Holy Spirit is doing amongst us as a community. We've always been about local mission. You just can't be full gas on it all the time. But the Holy Spirit is moving amongst us to propel us again on local mission. In the account we read in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2, there's 120 of them. At the end of that day, once the Holy Spirit had kind of moved powerfully on them, they were never going back to that house that they were gathering in. There's 120 or so. I'm guessing the day ended there in the temple courts or somewhere in the big space, maybe on a mountain. So I don't know where that bridge, what I do know is they couldn't go back to where they were. Things had moved on. 
They had to find out a way of baptizing thousands of people. And then after that day, people are added daily as well, which means they're now into daily baptisms, I guess, daily discipleship, I guess, places to gather. And we know that from here, they went from house to house and then used to temple courts. And eventually, because they got a bit stuck, they had to be scattered to the known world. Friends, the Holy Spirit is moving amongst us. Yeah, come on. Have you ever seen a, a mighty dam after a heavy rainfall? I remember being in Africa once and they had a hydro project and there was a massive downpour. The day before, uh, the hydro was just spinning and the spill of the dam wasn't flowing. There was a massive rainfall. Then after that, the overspill of the dam was so impressive. The force. And, and I sense, or we sense as elders, that the Holy Spirit is moving amongst us and because of our collective size, the overspill of local mission is going to be significant for the town of Reading. Exactly. We're believing for that. We're not just potting around in the south of Reading, glad that we've gotten back and able to you know, staff. We believe that our church is going to be key of what God is doing with humility but with confidence for local mission in this town. Uh, we believe we've got a voice. We believe we've got a contribution to make. We believe we want to partner with whomever, so as they love Jesus and believe the Bible, to bring the good news of Jesus to the town of Reading. Which means that's us, not the staff. You know that, we know that, but we're going to move into that season. God is moving amongst us. But there is something we've got to do in the autumn term. We've got to jump. We won't really do crisscross jump thing. I just thought that might make it a little bit trite. And the real message this morning isn't jump Sunday. The real message this morning is that we are being called into local mission, which just means that we've got to jump to two meetings on a Sunday in the autumn term. Uh, the room is full already. This is quiet for us now. We're in the summer. It's hot enough in here, isn't it? If you come now, what does this room say to visitors? We're full. Actually, it's better if regulars don't come because we need your seat and we need your parking bay. That is not a gospel. That is not helpful for the advance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need this room to be about half full. Not because you've all left grumpy. That would be bad. But we need to make space for people who haven't yet put their trust in Jesus or haven't yet moved into the town of Reading and want to co-labour with us in their places of work and where they live and where they study. We need to make room for people who aren't yet in the room. And we need to reach the great area of Whitley and beyond. This is our calling. This is why we're here. And the truth of the matter is 4.8, A, the building that I would really love us to buy, hasn't yet opened up. We're ready to go. And so until we get a venue like that, where we can gather five or 600, 700 people in, until that day, we're limited gathering 4.20, 4.30 on a Sunday morning to this place, and it's just not big enough. So we've got to jump in the autumn term. What does that mean, jump Sunday? We think at the moment, it'll be around the 9th of October. We're going to send a survey out today at 5 p.m. You can get up behind me now, and we're going to ask you, uh, which of these meetings would you go to? Would it be a 9 or 11.30? Or would you prefer 10.30 and 4pm? Assume we've got youth and kids at both of those. And just to say, because this is about mission, we're not really looking for your preferences. But for the gospel of Jesus Christ, 
Would you be willing not to get your preferred time if it meant that people at the moment who are far from Christ could come to an optimal time for them? That's what we're trying to figure out. The priority is those who aren't yet in the room because we are in the room and we are in a church family and we are looking out for each other. So we're going to take some awkwardness, maybe not get our preferences on a Sunday because it's a gospel issue and we've got to work with what we've got. And at the moment we don't have a 700 seater building and we certainly don't have the car parking for that. So the survey will go out at 5pm today. If you can respond for yourself, there's some questions there around who you're representing, how many kids are you. I'm trying to read the room. How are we doing, guys? Ooh. Quick pause, check my time. I'm not overrunning, got a few more minutes yet. How are we doing? Yeah. Jesus is building his church. Come on. Uh, we are not on the back foot. We're able, by God's grace, he's sending excellent people on and he's opening up room for our staff team. But that's not really what we're talking about today. What we're talking about today is that Jesus is building his church. And there's not enough room in here on a Sundays now. And I've got to believe this is not the high water mark of people encountering God in singing and hearing the Bible explained to them and told the good news about Jesus Christ. There's going to be, I'm hoping, that two or three more times as many people in the town already that need to be associated with us as a church family and if that is the case we've got to jump to at least two meetings in the autumn term Amen. and we've got to set our minds to it and not worry about the pressures on serving not worry what does that mean for kids and youth and musicians what does it mean for setup i don't know all of that what i do know is that jesus is building yeah. and we've got to proclaim the gospel of jesus and it's something that is hard yeah. Uh, as we were praying as elders on Tuesday, it was a really great time. There's this prophetic words that when you get a barbecue, you put all your coals together, you get your heat up, but it comes to a point to cook. We're not trying to cook. We're not trying to cook. <laughs> but you kind of spread it all around the heat. Uh, and then you can do more. Yeah. Friends, we're about mission. I was once far from Christ. I was once lost. I can remember... Can you, can you remember when, before you knew Christ, you laid in bed and just figured, what is this all about? Just that sense of lostness and loathing of your sin. You know, you knew enough that you were behaving in ways you didn't want to and you didn't think you could change and those around you didn't think you could change. And you felt your path was set by circumstances and, there, and you were on your own. I can still, that still is visceral for me. The joy of that prayer on the beach in Portsmouth in 1989 and I met Christ. The joy. Nothing changed in my life. Everything changed. The joy of God being washed clean of my sin. Of knowing I had a father in heaven and an older brother Jesus and his righteousness was now mine. I didn't understand it all. I remember the next day waking up learning Matthew, Mark, Luke and John and feeling epic. I knew something about the Bible. I knew nothing. But I knew enough. Jesus was now in my life. Hallelujah. And I want that for every boy and girl, every adult, every uncle and aunt in the great town of Reading and beyond. But right now, we're going to own again Reading. And that is going to bring discomfort to you. Most of these apostles died a grisly death. Few of us will die of grisly death. In God, I'm hoping some of us will. Because we're trying to do hard things for Jesus. But we're, we want to be obedient as a people. And the truth is, 
Dan and Sarah Rogers, they need to have a, a church that isn't outsourcing mission. Yeah. They're selling up and going on our behalf. I want them to have a church that's worthy of them. When they came to the Middle East at back end of this year or in the new year, I want to look them in the eye and say, we've got your back. Yeah. And that we're on local mission as well. And we'll take the bumps and the inconveniences and we won't get our preferences on Sundays and we'll have to serve probably more than we want to. Certainly with other annoying people. But we do it for Jesus. And Dan and Sarah, don't come home yet. Just tough it out, because I'm toughing it out at the 4 p.m. or whatever we end up with, you know? We're a partnership. One last thing before I land this. Acts 2, verse 40. Then Sean continued preaching for a long time. <laughs> strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. If you're here today and the primary influence in your life isn't Jesus Christ, you do need to save yourself. If you're listening online now or on catch up and the primary influence in your life isn't Jesus Christ you're in you're in big trouble you're like where I was pre-July 89 you, you need Jesus this is a crooked generation and yet we can put our trust in Jesus and be lifted out of it Come on, you need to be saved before we do baptisms, I just want to give this opportunity now for you to respond and say, if you haven't yet put your trust in Jesus Christ, if he is not the primary influence in your life, or if he once was, but no longer is, Christian speak, you've backslidden, you've lost your way, you need to come back to Jesus. If that's you, today is your day. This message has been building to you because local mission starts here. Yeah. It starts today, it starts now. Right. Come on. So if you're not yet a Christian in the moment, I want to ask you to put your hand up. If you're not yet a Christian, you want to come to saving faith. I'm going to ask everyone in the room to close their eyes, go old school, put their heads down. And if you're online, you just need to get hold of me through the church office because I just don't know what you're doing and, I, and we need to talk. You need to be saved. So if you're here this morning and you haven't yet put your trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord, as your Messiah, as your Saviour, as your Champion, as your Righteousness, you've not done that, or you have and you've backslidden, what I want you to do now is put your hand up. I'm going to look you in the eye so that we will talk later on. Is there anyone in this room right now you want to give your life to Jesus Christ or come back to Jesus. Put your hand up now. Is there anyone in this room now? Is there anyone? At the moment, there isn't anyone. Okay, so one person has caught my eye. They're far from, I've got to believe there's more than one person that I need to have a conversation with. Is there anybody else? Okay, this second guy. Okay, there's two people. 
You need to save yourself from this crooked generation. Is there anybody else? There's two people who can come and catch me before the baptisms. Is there anybody else? This is really important for us as a church family that we stand with you. Anybody else? Okay, those two, those two guys, if you can come and see me before the baptisms, just like to talk that through. Scott, if you could come as well, and David, that'd be wonderful. Just so that um, I'm not Scott, you're doing baptisms. David, if you can come with me, that'd be great. I'm trying to think who else, get another guy's around. Let me pray. You're going to open your eyes. So church, I, I, I didn't think there'd be a whoop at a jump someday in October. But what I do want to have a whoop about is that we're being called as a church to local mission. And so if you're able, please could you stand? I'm going to pray for us. Me and the band are going to help us in our songs of response. Those two who put their hands up, come see to me. I want you to close the meeting at 12 o'clock thereabouts. Holy Spirit, thank you for this morning. Thank you that you're active amongst us even now. Yes. We believe that we are called to be a community on local mission. And we receive that. We want to position ourselves for that. We want to lay hold of that for autumn and beyond. We want to be a people that is playing a significant part in Reading, in Whitley, for local mission, that many will be saved from this crooked generation. They'd put their faith in Jesus Christ. They'd be added to us. I'd love it. Uh, weekly, uh, I can't yet believe for daily, but God, you do what only you could do. Yeah. We've seen many saved and added to us, that we would grow for your glory and that many would be lifted out of darkness and into light. And as the baptisms are happening today, we'd have many more baptisms uh, and, and glorify in all that you're doing. Yeah, in the on, name of Jesus, we ask this. Amen. Amen. Amen.